Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty. They've been helping people call Asheville home since 1979. And remember, go to the speakingoftravel.net website and sign up for the new Speaking of Travel Travel Club. There'll be a free newsletter that'll come into your inbox, and we'll have travel tips and photos and all kinds of great travel information and resources for all the listeners. Well, I have to tell you that I am always amazed when I hear people talk about traveling. You can't even go to a dinner party anymore where somebody's telling you about some trip that they've just been on or where they're planning on going. And I always have to wonder, what is it that people love so much about traveling? Why do people go back for more and more and more or just dream about it. So many people have dreams of traveling who might not even travel at all. And yet there is that recurring dream of getting away from it all, of trying something new. Well, I can tell you that everyone has a different reason for traveling. And my guest today, Greg Shapiro, who's the author of 12 Hours in Havana, took to travel like a fish in water since his early childhood. He's been traveling now for most of his life. And folks, he's 27 years old. Welcome to the show, Greg. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, I am in awe of the amount of traveling and how you've been living your lifestyle for so long. I mean, tell us a little bit about you, Greg. Where did you grow up? I grew up in New Jersey um, in a suburb of New York City, and I grew up with uh, parents who, you know, that was where they wanted to spend our time when we were on family vacation. So uh, from going to, you know, road trips together to Florida, to California, to a cruise in Alaska, kind of grew up um, with that, with travel being a, a big part of my life and kind of wanted to, as soon as I had the opportunity to do it on my own and had the money to do it on my own, that's what I did. Wow. You know, I hear that so much of people who uh, are are remembering they they are sparked they're inspired they have these great uh family memories of traveling with you know the mom and dad and getting in the car or going i mean if, taking you on a cruise that was a pretty big that was a pretty big deal where did you all go we went to um we flew to vancouver and then we did a cruise there to alaska and that was my first cruise and we did, like, different excursions, like whitewater rafting and canoeing. And I think what struck me the most on that cruise was meeting the people who worked on the ship and seeing that, you know, even whether you're, like, a waiter or a performer, you can have your office be this floating, uh, this floating, yeah, this floating ship, and you can travel and work and go all over the world. And I think at that point... Um, on the ship, I was performing in high school at the time, so I met this lounge singer 
and she let me perform in the lounge of the cruise ship. And at that point, I kind of made a promise to myself that one day I would uh, I would work on ships in some capacity and travel the world like her. Wow, look at that. What a great experience. What What did you perform, I have to know? I just performed, like, I think it was, like, just my piano recital, like some Beethoven, I think, just for release. What did you feel like sitting there in the lounge? You were a lounge lizard playing Beethoven from your piano recital. It's like something out of the Wonder Years. Oh, I knew I was... I was loving every moment of it. I knew that this was a rare, rare opportunity. And, uh, yeah, I was just, I was in heaven. I loved it. I don't think there's anything more fabulous than being, like, a lounge singer on a ship. That's awesome. How fun for you. So, all right, now you've done that, and you're uh, doing your high school thing. What are you thinking of as you move into your head of where I'm going to go to college? What's my future looking like? At that point, I was still focused on um, performing, but um, I wasn't going to major in it. So I wanted to go to a school where I could continue to sing and dance, but also study something else. So I looked at Vassar College, and I kind of just loved the campus. I loved the vibe of it, and I just, that was the only school I applied to, and I got in, and that was that was where I decided that um, I would go to school. And what did you major in? I majored in media studies, which was kind of like the create-your-own major, so I took a lot of classes in film and sociology and anthropology and Latin American studies. So it was really nice to just to study. There wasn't really a, an intense core curriculum. Um, uh, and then on the side, I did like acapella groups and theater and dancing, and it was it was awesome. That sounds great. And how did uh, while you're having all this fun and and studying, how did you fit travel into um, into that stage of your life? Well. Um, I knew I had this plan to audition for cruise lines when I got out of college, but this, like, kind of rite of passage in school was the, uh, like, the junior year abroad. And at that time, I was thinking about going to London and doing a semester in London. And the summer between my sophomore and junior year, I did the uh, this thing called the birthright program. So if you're Jewish, you can do a 10-day trip to Israel for free, sponsored by the government. So um, that was my big trip in college uh, after sophomore year, going to Israel. And once I got to Israel, I don't know, my mind was just completely blown. My worldview was changed. And when I got back from Israel, I decided that maybe I could do something a little bit more adventurous than London. Um, and I settled on South America to go backpacking to take a semester off from school. So taking that semester off from school was um, something that you chose to do. It wasn't part of the uh, study abroad or semester abroad or anything like that? Yeah, it was. Um, I, did, I did a program that had structure, but it, the structure was more for people who were doing kind of a gap year between high school and college. But I had enough credit that I could withdraw from school for the semester. Um, and, yeah, so it, it really 
it really wasn't directly linked to anything that I was studying at the time. But I came to realize while on that trip that actually a lot of what you see going on in the world um, in places that are different than your own, it, it kind of, it all is connected to what you learn about in college. Wow. Well, when we come back from the break, Greg, I want to talk more about that. I'd also like to talk a little bit more about the uh, the trip that you took to Israel, because I'm not, I'm familiar with that, but not so familiar. So maybe you could kind of fill us in a little bit on that as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And Greg, where are we talking to you from today? I'm in New York City. Right. Are you like right in the city? I'm in the middle of the city. I'm like dodging like construction and like dogs just trying to find a quiet spot. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now I feel like we're having a little Woody Allen moment. (laughs) Exactly. We should definitely find some music that could, oh, maybe you could play a little tune. Do you have a piano nearby? No, I don't. (laughs) Darn, we should have planned better, Greg. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. This is a lot of fun. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this is Marilyn Baugh. You've been listening to Speaking of Travel. We're here with Greg Shapiro. Greg wrote 12 Hours in Havana, and we're going to find out how, how did Greg get to Havana. So stay tuned. We'll be back right after the break. This football season, Speaking of Travel, is joining the tailgating celebration, featuring the food, drinks, and colorful characters that gather in college stadium parking lots on game days. Our good friend, veteran journalist, and author Doc Lawrence will be sharing the flavors and aromas that make this so much fun during the fall. You can be sure that Doc will have celebrities and restaurant recommendations. You can tune in each week through December for all the fun right here on Speaking of Travel. With 50 flights every day to and from cities like Atlanta, Charlotte, and Chicago, you can fly to hundreds of worldwide destinations with one easy connection. Choose Allegiant, American, Delta, Elite, or United right here from Asheville Regional Airport. And when you fly home, you're home. Asheville Regional Airport. Take the easy way out. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is your host, Marilyn Ball, and you're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. And remember, if you're looking at buying a place in Asheville, which it seems like everybody is trying to do right now, you probably are going to want to go to Appalachian Realty. They have a cute little bungalow right off of Charlotte Street on Arlington Street where you can stop in, and they know Asheville. They know Western North Carolina. They've been selling since 1979. So if it's available, they got it. And remember, speakingoftravel.net, 
you can now go and sign up for the free Speaking of Travel Travel Club. And it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of surprises coming up. And remember, you can listen anywhere, anytime in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. Well, I'm here today with my guest, Greg Shapiro. Greg is talking to us from New York today. Hey, welcome back, Greg. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. It's so exciting to, um, you know, I've heard about you. I got your book, The 12 Hours in Havana. I read it. You know, I've been to Cuba a couple of times. I've had a lot of guests on my show. So I definitely want to talk to you about Cuba and Havana, but let's back up just a bit and and get back to your college days before the break Mm -hmm. you were telling us about um, growing up and having a family that traveled uh, going on the cruise, I love that. That could be a whole movie. <laughs> you, oh, yeah. You on the I'll, boat. <laughs> yeah, I think I want to write that all, that whole part of my life down pretty soon. I think you definitely well. need, to, need to do that because that's a great story. And it really set the tone as you were uh, telling us about being in college and uh, already having this vision of where you wanted to go, so you were you were talking about this birthright trip to Israel. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of money that's been put into giving um, American Jews the opportunity to go and see Israel. So if you're even like an eighth or a sixteenth Jewish, you apply um, to this organization called the Jewish Federation. And then they sponsor a trip to Israel. It's a 10-day tour. And if you want to extend it and stay longer, you can have your flight back up to 90 days after. Um, I, unfortunately, only had time to go for 10 days. And it's like, uh, it's nonstop. You're with all these other um, Jews in the same age group from all over the United States. And you tour Tel Aviv. You tour Jerusalem. um, You live on a kibbutz for two weekends. Um, and then you also learn about, like, your culture, your ancestors, um, history, politics. You know, it's definitely not a vacation. Wow. It sounds fascinating. So did you say one-eighth or one-sixteenth? Yeah. You don't, you don't have to—they don't, like, test your blood or anything. Like, you just have to have some Jewish heritage. And even—I feel like even if you don't have Jewish heritage, if you make a strong enough case— but why you think that, you know, your identity is is linked in, to, in a trip to Israel, then I'm, I'm sure they will probably make accommodations for you as well. Wow. You could do it up until you're 27 years old. 27, my goodness. Wow. Mm-hmm. So what did you, what was that like for you being there with all those um, people in your age bracket from all over the United States? Um, it was, you know, I would say the thing that, really moved me. There were two things that moved me the most. Um, the first was kind of uh, an experience that they created when we when we drove into Jerusalem for the first time. They played the Israeli national anthem, Hatikva, on the bus. And, you know, this is, for Jews, returning to Israel, going to Israel is something that, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the highest form of aliyah that you could have. Um, it's, it's the the best thing you could do. So I was overcome with emotion when we went into Jerusalem for the first time. It felt like my ancestors had been praying for that moment. But um, the thing that personally moved me the most was when we went to the Holocaust Museum, and we were learning about um, 
Yeah, we were learning about um, how what Hitler did to you know to Jews and also to gay people. And uh, as a gay man, being the only gay man on the whole bus tour, um, it it was a moving experience for me, and it and it showed me that you know no matter where you are, um, and no matter how different you are that you think you are from the person next to you, you can um, find connection and you can find common ground despite that. And I think that was kind of the takeaway for me being around Israelis and being around other American Jews, and, and it all kind of came together at the Holocaust Museum. Wow, that is very moving, and it certainly is a, a, a testament to empathy and and where we find that empathy in our hearts as we move forward in our lives. Oh, definitely. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's the only kind of uh, saving grace that we can have for our humanity is putting, putting ourselves in those situations where we can empathize with people who are different, and pretty much the only way you can get into a room with someone who's that different than you is, is to travel. That is true. That's what I hear. And being able to go visit other people, having a, a people-to-people experience and recognizing that everyone, we're all people anywhere you go. <laughs> exactly. So as you embarked now on this trip after having this moving experience in Israel and uh, – <laughs> collecting your thoughts of how you want to move forward as you grow and uh, and and look more at the world. Why was it Bolivia and Peru, uh, South America, that sparked you? Well, I think my, my parents definitely said if you're going to go somewhere, you need to just continue to work on your Spanish because speaking a second language was something that um, they – told me was really important, so I was going to listen to them. Uh, and then also I had heard about a friend who had went to India and just going someplace like completely, you know, just you know, less developed than what I'm used to, just having a backpack and hiking around. Like, it was something I'd never really done before, and I was like, you know what, this is my one chance to take three months off from school. I may never get an opportunity like this again. So uh, that was, I, I, that was why I picked Bolivia. So what was it like when you, when you uh, landed there? Um, it was, you know, it, you felt a little shortness of breath, um, but it was completely, I've, I'd never seen, you know, buildings like that, people who look different than me. I'd never seen, been in situations um, where, you know, I was around in a country that was 70% indigenous, you know, in, in the United States, we're not around indigenous people. Like, we wipe them all out. And in, in Bolivia, it's, it's a huge part of their identity, and it's a huge part of the politics and the culture. So it really felt like I was traveling to, it made me think, what would the United States have been like if, if this was what was in it for, uh, for our timeline? But uh, it was... You know, it was pretty. It was pretty jarring at the beginning. And what about the language? Did you feel comfortable uh, with the amount of Spanish? Did people speak English? Honestly, people didn't speak English, and in many of the we went the the trip. I'm back up a little. The trip we were on was called uh, organized by a program called Where There Be Dragons, 
and they put a huge emphasis on cultural immersion and also like ethical traveling. Um, and so we weren't we weren't even buying bottled water because we didn't want to create waste. So we were truly doing it was very anti-tourist. So the places that we were going, we were going to villages where people didn't even where most of the people didn't even speak Spanish. They spoke indigenous languages like Quechua and Aymara. So it, my Spanish got very good very fast because when, you, when you're put into a situation where it's the only way you can communicate, you know, you're, that's, that's how you get better. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, Greg, when we come back from the break, let's pick up right there because I'm always amazed at how when you're with people, you're on this people-to-people kind of trip, how do you communicate? So thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. You bet. Well, we'll be back. This is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. I'm here with my guest, Greg Shapiro, and we will be back right after the break. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Your business trip shouldn't start with a road trip. Hundreds of global destinations are just one connection away, starting at Asheville Regional Airport. Fly Allegiant, American, Delta, Elite, and United. Asheville Regional Airport, your local connection to the world. Visit flyavl.com to plan your next trip. This football season, speaking of travel, is joining the tailgating celebration, featuring the food, drinks, and colorful characters that gather in college stadium parking lots on game days. Our good friend, veteran journalist, and author Doc Lawrence will be sharing the flavors and aromas that make this so much fun during the fall. You can be sure that Doc will have celebrities and restaurant recommendations. You can tune in each week through December for all the fun right here on Speaking of Travel. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is Marilyn Ball. I'm your host. You're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. Remember, Speaking of Travel is sponsored by Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Well, I'm here with my guest, Greg Shapiro. Greg is speaking to us today from New York. Welcome back to the show, Greg. Thank you so much for being here today. It's so great to be here. I love hearing your stories. So you went, you're in college, you're now on this trip. It's a sponsored trip. You're gone for three months. Tell us, you were talking about the language and how you were submerged into this uh, culture. How did that, how did that uh, kind of impact you moving forward? I think it made, it made me definitely value Spanish, value speaking another language but at the same time it it you know um sometimes 
the language doesn't really matter. You know, humanity is humanity. So I was able to still joke around and still make connections, you know, being uh, uh, a gay Jew from New Jersey <laughs> with people who, you know, were so completely different from me. Like living in a homestay um, in the mountains of Peru where there was no electricity, no running water, and still being able to find connection. That is so nice. So speaking of connection, tell us a little bit about the connection that was going on for you personally in regard to how you travel and how you find that balance. So this trip in Bolivia and Peru was a group backpacking trip. And what I kind of learned was when you travel, you have, a, you have to have this balance between self, group, and place. And place is your relationship to where you are. Group is who you're with, and self is, of course, your, your own identity and your own experience. When I was on this group trip in Bolivia, a lot of the focus was on the culture, the country, and my own privilege as an American and my relationship to my fellow travel companions. And while it made me, you know, a more considerate person as, as a team member, and it, while it made me, you know, very conscious of my privilege when I'm moving there moving around in a, kind of an underdeveloped country, um, I, there wasn't really a focus on myself and my own personal growth and my own personal happiness. So um, that, was, that was when I got back from Bolivia. I knew for my next travel experience I, need to, I needed to put myself first a little bit. So what did you end up doing? So just to sum up a few years pretty quickly, I got back from Bolivia I graduated from school. I started working in the city um, on the TV show Dora the Explorer, um, and so I was an animator. And uh, when you work in TV, you have a break between seasons. If you don't know, the show is going to be picked up again. So I had a break, and I bought a one-way ticket to Guatemala, and I was going to backpack by myself um, through Central America. And did you... And I did. Oh, good. <laughs> for, for, for three months, I went through Guatemala, Belize, and Honduras. And I think my mm, amazing countries, amazing places to see. You can write me after for tips. We <laughs> don't have that much time to cover everything. But uh, I, I really just learned how the, the benefits of just traveling by yourself and what I call is like this little voice that you have inside of you. And when you're with a bunch of other people, you may have to you may have to suppress it, but when you're alone, you have you have somebody telling you inside of your little brain exactly what you should be doing and where you should be going, and that was kind of what I learned how to do in Central America. Just listen, listen to my own happiness. I love that. So when you came back, uh, you were still working on Dora the Explorer, which is uh, in itself quite a celebrity. I'm uh, quite familiar with that show. <laughs> How did you make that next step to, to follow that dream that you'd had all those years back when you were, like, in eighth grade? Um, I So I worked another year on Door the Explorer, and then it looked like the show wasn't going to be picked up again for another season. So I just saw a job posting online for this job called Digital Content Specialist um, for Royal Caribbean, and I applied. And then the next day, they wrote me back and asked, to do like a Skype interview and within two or three months after getting all my physicals done and my medicals done 
I was on a ship in Tampa, um, and yeah, I was doing a seven-month contract working on cruise ships. Wow, that is awesome! You really did uh, find your find, you, go down that path of the vision that you'd always had. That's- yeah, if you if you imagine it uh, and you just take steps towards it, it's I find that you know it, it's it's very possible to do it. Yeah, so how long did you stay on that? How did that unfold? So that is a memoir in and of itself. I bet. (laughs) But um, the ship started in the Caribbean, and then we crossed the Atlantic, and we did all the Baltic countries. We did Russia, Norway, Iceland, and uh, came back and finished in Canada. And my job was basically to program all of the touch screens that were all over the ship. And so my, one of my friends on the ship called me the Enigma because I just had a much different schedule than, than everyone else who was working there. I kind of made my own hours, and I had a lot of time to explore the port on my own. Um, and it was, it was a wonderful experience, um, that first contract. And then I got another I started working on a different ship out of uh, New York City that went to the Caribbean again, and that was one of the largest cruise ships. That was like 5,000 passengers, and that was a crazy experience as well. We got stuck in a gigantic storm, and that was terrifying, but I survived. Wow. That is a crazy story and certainly worthy of a memoir, I would say. Greg, you need to start writing all this stuff down. I kept a journal the whole time, so I have a journal of everything, and I just, yeah, uh, but there's just so much to say, so. Absolutely. So, as this was going on, what what ends up, what happens, and I have to keep remembering, what are you, 27 years old? <laughs> yeah, I was like 25, I was like 25, 26 at the time. Uh-huh. Um, and way back when. I'm, way back when, uh, and yeah, it was... It was, it was crazy. It was just a crazy, crazy experience. Lots of fun. But I also knew that I wanted to help people travel in some way. Like being on a ship and being essentially working behind the scenes, I'm going to these ports over and over again and getting a lot of local knowledge. But the format of the cruise ship the way that it was, I'm not able to share that knowledge with people who are cruising because I'm supposed to be helping the ship make money. I'm supposed to help sell tour excursions. So for me to say, hey, guess what? You don't have to spend $600 for the excursion to Moscow. I just did it on my own for 200 There wasn't really a space for me to share that information. So... When we come back from the break, I want to find out how you made that transition, because that's kind of what you do now, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So something obviously must have happened between having those thoughts and actually making it come true. Yep. Well, yep. <laughs> you're just going to have to come back to hear the remaining story of how Greg makes this all happen. I'll tell you, you are... Um, you are quite a wise man for someone as young as you, Greg Shapiro. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. This is really so inspiring because I know for many people, you know, you have this vision, you have these dreams, and you want to make them come true, but you're not sure exactly how to take those steps, step by step. So when we come back, we'll pick up right there. Thank you, Greg, for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Hey, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. We'll be back with Greg Shapiro right after the break, so stay tuned. This football season, Speaking of Travel, is joining the tailgating celebration, featuring the food, drinks, and colorful characters that gather in college stadium parking lots on game days. Our good friend, veteran journalist, and author Doc Lawrence will be sharing the flavors and aromas that make this so much fun during the fall. You can be sure that Doc will have celebrities and restaurant recommendations. You can tune in each week through December for all the fun right here on Speaking of Travel. With 50 flights every day to and from cities like Atlanta, Charlotte, and Chicago, you can fly to hundreds of worldwide destinations with one easy connection. Choose Allegiant, American, Delta, Elite, or United right here from Asheville Regional Airport. And when you fly home, you're home. Asheville Regional Airport. Take the easy way out. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is Marilyn Ball. I'm your host right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. Well, Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty. They've been here in Asheville helping people call Asheville home since 1979. And be sure you visit the speakingoftravel.net website and sign up for the new Speaking of Travel Travel Club. And you can go to Speaking of travel on Facebook and you'll find photos and links to all of our all of our shows. It's really a lot of fun. So I'm excited Greg Shapiro is here on the show today talking to us from New York. Greg, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. I know. Well, hearing your story and how you made your, you know, this vision that you had all those years ago into something that is a part of your life now. It's a part of your path. How how did that transition from what you were doing on the cruise line to knowing that you had this capability now and this passion for helping people with their trips? How did that transition go? So I was working for Royal Caribbean, and then I saw a job posted for a different cruise line, Fathom Cruise, which, is, which they had the first contract to do cruises to Cuba from the United States. So they were looking for Spanish-speaking guides, so I applied, and I got that job, and I was guiding people in Cuba, 
in three different cities in Cuba and in the Dominican Republic um, for about six or seven months. And then when I got back from that, um, I took a job on land because I needed health insurance. (laughs) I'm 27 now. And I just had all of this Cuba knowledge, all this knowledge of Havana in my head. And I saw in the news that more and more cruise ships were going to Havana. More and more celebrities were going there. I was seeing all my friends go to Havana. And I was like, you know what? There isn't, there isn't anyone with my knowledge as an American who was on the front lines who just got back. And I saw an opportunity. You know, this is, this is my moment to kind of just put my stake in the ground um, for something that I know that I am an expert in. So you, what did you do? You wrote a book? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so I took all of my Havana tips and created this book called 12 Hours in Havana. And it's, it's different than any other guide that's out there right now. Because when you think about guidebooks or you think about the whole travel recommendation space, you know, you can go on blog after blog after blog where you're getting somebody's first-person account of a place that they only visited once and maybe even got some of those tips for free because of their following. That's just so personalized. Or you can go on TripAdvisor and sit through review after review after review and try and make this, make this itinerary based on something that got 45% five stars versus 35% four stars. Or you can go to a Lonely Planet book where it's just so much information that you don't even, that you're choosing between 10 museums and 10 hotels and 10 restaurants. So I knew that there wasn't really someone who was, who was doing what I wanted to do. And what makes my book different is I've created these little color-coded itineraries and kind of inspired by my time at Door the Explorer, it's just a fun way to experience a city where you can mix and match different routes and create your perfect day. Um, and this for somebody who's either going to Cuba on a cruise and you only have actually literally 12 hours to see the city or somebody who's going there for a whole weekend. Um, and what also makes my book different, too, is if you don't need to carry around the book with you. It's an ebook, and it also has downloadable offline maps. So if you don't have cell signal, if you don't have Wi-Fi, you'll never get lost with this guidebook. Wow, that is really awesome. Having been in Cuba a couple of times and and recently going to Havana, uh, I can tell you that there's a lot of space there where you are not hooked up to Wi-Fi. Yeah, it's actually, most hotels don't have Wi-Fi. And I'm hearing now that, you know, some cell carriers, your internet may or may not work. But I always, whenever I travel internationally, I never rely on my phone service or Wi-Fi. I always download offline maps. And there's an app called maps.me, M-A-P-S dot M-E. And you basically, when you do have Internet, you just zoom in on where you are, and it downloads the map to your phone. And your GPS is always going to work on your phone, whether you have Wi-Fi or Internet or you don't. So that's kind of how I built this this math that goes along with uh, with my guidebook. Wow. Well, here you are. You've taken all your experience from your young life, your um, your intellectual property that you have of actually experiencing it, your uh, evolution of learning the language, your skill at being a content and digital uh 
person, I mean, you've, you've been able to take all of that and put it into, uh, into something that is usable and beneficial for the traveler. That's really awesome, Greg. Thank you. I'm so excited to buy it, and it's gotten a really, really great response so far. Um, and it's just, it's not, it's not like, it's, when I started writing it, it just flow, it just flew very naturally out of me. You know, this is exactly, you know, as like a tech-savvy millennial, if anyone's looking for advice, this is, this is how I would write an email to a friend of mine. You know, this is just, this is just, it's just an extension of who I am. I would say so. So, how would we uh, find this ebook? You can go on 12hoursinhavana.com or you can go on Amazon and search 12 Hours in Havana. And yeah, it should be right there. It's been in, it's been a top Havana travel guide since it came out on Amazon um, about three months ago. Wow. So. Yeah, I'm excited by it. I know. Congratulations. This is such good news. And, you know, even with the restrictions and the changes going on in Cuba and the U.S., uh, people are still going on cruises. People are still traveling uh, to Cuba quite a bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, the restrictions so far haven't really been, haven't, well, as of when I'm speaking right now, so I don't know. Exactly. You never know what's going to happen. But as of right now, like whether, um, you know, you can you can always go to Cuba and you can always find a way to get there. And I think now more than ever, it's really, really important to see the country. And it's important to, you know, just kind of be an ambassador to your family, to your community and meet Cuban people and, you know, show them that, look, like I'm your neighbor, too. And. We have nothing to fear of each other. You know, we can we can be friends and we can get to know each other. And I think that's what's the most important thing about going there. Absolutely. Maybe you should go to Alabama or Mississippi next. Maybe. <laughs> you could write a book <laughs> about what it's like there. So what is in your future, Greg Shapiro? So uh, I do. I'm, I have like three different books in my head. That would be, like, the next book. I want to do a kid's travel guide. I want to, now that I'm living in New York City, I would love to do my spin on a New York guide. Um, And then also, I really want to put my time at sea all in a memoir together. But there's just, like, not enough hours in the day to do all the writing that I want to do. So I think think just in the short term, we'll get uh, 12 hours in Havana. Right now, it's just an e-book, so I'll get the get the paperback version out and yeah and that's it well it sounds like that's not really it because you've got you you have visions going on it seems like endless greg you can do so much you've got so much potential and uh so many great ideas and you obviously are visionary somebody who can kind of see past what's Oh, right here into, oh, I can see that out there in the future. Oh, thank you. I mean, long term, yes, I would love to have a travel TV show. That would be amazing. Um, But I'm also, I'm still traveling on my own this March. I was just being in Italy and I'm, I'm, I've gotten pretty good at getting good deals. We did like, uh, we did a full week 
skiing in Italy and three nights in Milan, and I think the whole trip was under $1,000, including airfare for person. Okay, so. so now we have to have you back on the show so you can give us some ideas on how we, too, can have a dream trip to Italy for under 1000 bucks. <laughs> yes. When it gets this, yeah, this fall, when people are starting to look at their ski trips in Europe, I'll definitely come back. Absolutely. That That sounds great. Well, Greg, thank you so much for being on the show today. And and I hope everybody will at least go and and read your your book, The 12 Hours in Havana, learn about Havana and uh, Cuba, and have a great life there, Greg. I can't wait to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And you can follow me also on Instagram. Guided by Greg and Facebook, Guided by Greg. As oh, well. perfect. And then it's speaking of uh, uh, what is it, 12 hours in Havana.com. Yes, and 12, just the number. So one, two hours in Havana.com. Awesome. All right, Greg. Well, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. You've been listening to Speaking of Travel. I hope you go out, have a great week, learn a new language. Remember, though, Don't postpone joy.